This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Quick open here as I just want to mention a couple things before we kick it off to the show. Uh, On Tuesday night, we will finally post the Rocky Balboa uh, version of the Rocky Podcast that we decided to hold off last week because we wanted to make one edit. The edit is done, so that podcast will be up Tuesday. And uh, Duan and I, together, you know, we pre-record these. We only have one left to do, so we're almost finished with the uh, with the recording, and it'll just be producing them you know, week by week and getting those things up. Very happy with the uh, little mini-series that we did, and from the feedback that I get, it sounds like uh, people have enjoyed it as well. So thanks for ev- to everyone for listening. Wanted to give someone you know some of you a little bit something different than uh, than the normal podcast that we do so that was a fun project and do and i will have to figure out what our next project is as well um so john and i will be back on thursday in our normal time slot i'm back home not on vacation so i'll have all of my production normal production stuff where i'm speaking uh, to you right now in my in my office um and the last thing is, is uh, uh, this this podcast is specifically going to be about the WCW Saturday Night Show that uh, John and I cover. Uh, I think it is the August eighth, nineteen ninety two episode. And when we recorded it, um, I was I hadn't figured out what I was going to do. Uh, with uh, someone who I wanted to bring on, who is Larry Caution, who is a big fan and someone who I met uh, mostly through our Facebook group. Uh, I think Chris DiPetrio uh, invited him in, and I've, I've gotten to know Larry over the last year or so, and it's been a blast. He's a really good guy. And he actually went to the show live where Ron Simmons beats Big Van Vader for the WCW Championship. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, John and I are going to record. I want to get Larry on. And it just so worked out that I was able to uh, interview Larry. And so we're going to put them together in the show or the when, in John's review, John and mine review. Um, I mentioned to John, I was like, oh, you know, I got to get Larry on. You know, Larry, Larry was at the show live. And John's like, oh, you know, you need to ask him this. So... I recorded that not knowing that I was actually going to get Larry on uh, right away. So it, it, he'll he'll be on right after that. And, you know, I kind of explain at the beginning that uh, even though we had just talked about getting Larry on, I was able to do it. So, you know, when you tape things on different days or whatever, uh, you, you, you know, could be a little bit mixed up. But glad to get Larry on. And uh, and yeah, so um, we um, we're going to take a real quick break. And then John and I will come on to talk about what a, what is a really good episode of WCW Saturday Night. And then I'll bring Larry on to talk about being there live to close the show. All right, let's talk about uh, our, our new sponsor, uh, Sunday Ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket. TV, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. And who doesn't love Red Zone? What an amazing channel Red Zone is. No matter where you live, NFLTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. 
visit nflsundayticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, John, we are going to review what is a really tremendous wrestling show. And whenever we watch these WCW Saturday Night shows, I try to think back about if, you know, if I watched it live or what I remember, I did not remember the both the Ron Simmons invader angle and the sting with Rude and Koloff thing being as good as it was. And I, I'm not exactly sure why. Like, like I liked Ron Simmons. I didn't necessarily see Ron Simmons as like a future heavyweight champion, but they had been pushing him over the last few weeks as, you know, someone who, who was going to get in the mix. And I think, I think I was just so devastated that, uh, by Sting losing to Vader and like Vader being like this unbeatable guy, like I just didn't see this one coming and rewatching it back. I was like, how did I not see this one coming? Because Ron Simmons was clearly the guy that, uh, that Watts wanted here. Yeah. I mean, I, I was completely shocked. I mean, looking back at 1992, I remember I found out um, that Saturday morning before this aired because WCW Pro was on some kind of syndicated channel, but like early in the morning, like around eight o'clock or nine o'clock, right? When I'm middle of doing my chores, I was like, oh, wow, I kind of stumbled upon it. Like, oh, wow, WCW is on this, you know, early on this, I think it might have been on 36 or something like that, channel 36. And right off the bat, they had no footage of the match, but it opened with Ron Simmons talking to Tony Schiavone. He had the WCW World Title, and I was like, "What?" I couldn't believe it. And they 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 hyped up like, "Oh, make sure you tune in, you know, later on, you know, on World Championship Wrestling or WCW Saturday Night." to see how he won the championship and everything. So I found out in the early morning, so I couldn't wait to tune in to see what happened, when it happened, how it happened. And it is one of my all-time favorite moments in professional wrestling. Um, Everything I love about professional wrestling, the emotion, the drama, the reaction from the crowd, uh, people crying. I mean, it's everything I just want a book you know like i want it to happen i want people to be just emotional over these results and it was a great thing i mean it was a great moment um unfortunately ron simmons reign didn't live up to that moment you know Mm -hmm. but at least this moment of him winning the championship here is just something that was will be long long remembered and still remembers his day and i remember you know booking a similar scenario with this because i loved it so much with Dave Dutra, mm. um, he, when he won his first championship, um, I, you know the internet ABW Internet Championship. I had a match with, um, you know, Timmy Thatcher was my ABW Internet Champion, and he was wrestling a guy named Mister Wrestling Number Four, and they've had this great feud, just classic scientific matches and uh, British round robin matches, and and it looked like you know, oh man. Mr. Wrestling Force is going to win the championship this show, right? This is it. This is match three of their series. You know, he has to win, right? But earlier, he goes out to help another babyface who's being attacked by this big 400-pounder, and he gets destroyed by the 400-pounder. This Larry Blackwell destroys him, splashes him multiple times. Now, Mr. Wrestling Force is taking out the match. and So I do something similar, but I do a little different. I do... Uh, the pick the winner battle royal which we had which it was a kind of a fun little gimmick where fans would buy raffle tickets and they would buy the raffle ticket they um got a you know they got their they got a pick and if they raffle tickets picked they get to pick out a hat and now the hat was a wrestler and then the battle royal that was their wrestler mm-hmm. for the match and if the wrestler won they would get a gift card and you know from best buy i think it was at the time so, um, but of course I had Dave Dutra winning, right? And so he won that and ended up winning the, uh, also wrestling Timothy Thatcher and, and winning the, uh, winning the, uh, the title that night. So just because of this Ron Simmons, and it's funny because I remember hanging out with Dave Dutra and I was telling him about this. He'd never seen it before. Right. I'm like, dude, one of the greatest moments in wrestling is when Ron Simmons <laughs> wins the world title and he never seen it. He wasn't, he was a WWF guy, right? He didn't watch WCW. He watched some stuff, but later, later on. 
with the nitro stuff. So I remember like at my buddy JJ's house, bringing up my phone and like finding it on YouTube and like, this is it right here. And he's like, wow. And he was like so impressed. And, and then I remember telling him about this booking and this is like, you know, probably like nine months later. And he's like, Ron Simmons Vader. I'm like, yeah, it's basically what we're going for here. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. So this, that, this, like I said, this, this match just, just, Lived, I mean, I got still got a little emotional watching it. You know, I just love that fan in the front row who just jumps up. He does, he does the boss route and splits. He's so excited, and he's they just show the crying. But I remember him just crying his eyes out, and uh, so happy for him, and so happy for those people in Baltimore to see that moment. Well, our buddy on our fight game podcast Facebook group, Larry Caution, he was there. Oh my God, was it him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but. God, because uh, he would have told us. If God it was. bless him, man. That's but great. I'm I'm gonna talk to him at some point in the near future because uh, I want to hear his memories and his like because he says it's like I think he says it's like the greatest live event or live thing that he's ever seen in wrestling and you know there's you know related to his family his family's big wrestling fans too mm-hmm. and stuff so uh, yeah I want I want because we're talking about this time frame and this is perfect like talking to someone who's actually there is kind of cool. So we'll, we'll get Larry on. Oh man, um, I can't wait to hear that. Cause I want to know like, what was it like, like leaving that building? Like was people like, I feel like it was like me leaving a Giants game when we win, like high five and oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. You know, I hope, oh, yeah. I hope that happened, you know, cause it was awesome. It, this was, this was a great moment. Like I said, I just wish they would, would have sustained it with Ron Simmons, but. So they opened the show. So it's a JR and a Bill Watts. And they show uh, a little bit of the of the match with uh, Simmons and Vader. They don't show the finish, but that kind of leads to the open. And they first cut to they they don't talk about Simmons first. They mention that he that he won, but they don't show that match first because the match uh, with uh, Nikita and Rick Rude, um, the ref gets bumped. Uh, Koloff hits the Russian sickle. He's covering him. Cactus Jack comes out, and Sting, who's doing commentary with Jr., which is kind of weird because it's a house show, right? Like it, like, like so. Jr. and no, Sting. This was like a. I think this is a tape for like a worldwide or syndicated stuff, right? But that's what I'm pretty sure. Cause look at how light it. Like look, look at the no, light. No, no, I, 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 I know, but the way that, uh, but the way that they sort of were selling it was like, it just happened at a house show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, but then you're, you're JR's on commentary and Sting's on commentary with JR. And then Sting just races to the ring as Cactus comes out and Sting presses Rick Rude over his head for like 45 seconds. Just, yeah. just keeps this dude over his head and finally drops him, drops him down. And out comes Jake the Snake Roberts. He's got uh, he's got a chair, bashes Sting with a chair. Thankfully, Sting gets his hands up, and then he hits his famous clothesline, and then he hits his DDT onto the chair. So Sting's out of there because Sting is supposed to be facing Vader in the main event. So you got to take Sting out to set up someone else winning the championship. So, um. Watts, so they cut back to to Watts and, and, and JR talking on WC, WC Saturday Night, and Watts says that Simmons's name was drawn from a hat to replace Sting. Now, as a, you know, what would I have been, teenage wrestling fan, like, that's sort of believable. But when I, when I looked back and I was like, we're, we're re-watching this time, I'm like, okay, like he's clearly building Ron Simmons here. Okay, so so the, so the you know for the for the rewatched version, I'm like okay, I don't the, I'm sure everyone bought that, but it was like okay, maybe 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 there was, you know, I'm sure the uh the 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 smartest wrestling fans back then had sort of figured this out even though I you know, I didn't. And so uh so he says that there's seven wrestlers uh, uh Dan Spivey, Van Hammer, Barry Windham, Dustin, Barbarian, and Cactus all came to the ring to put their name into this hat uh, to pick who's going to face. Because uh, Bill Watts says, you know, you, you paid your money, you're getting a world title match. Rick Rude comes out and says, I'm the U.S. champion. I should be in this as well. 
no stunning Steve Austin in this uh, in, in this draw here. Yeah, that was interesting. And so, um, also, you know, obviously Sim- Simmons, uh, Ron Simmons was was in this draw. So Simmons wins the draw, wins the match. I don't. It wasn't a very long match, right? It was like eight minutes or something. Yeah, it wasn't long. And then they show Dusty come out to hug him. Now, what was the relationship there? I I don't even know what Dusty was doing in WCW at that time. Uh, he he was still must have been doing some sort of booking or. But I do know they had a they have a relationship uh, because if you remember in 1991 when when uh, Ron Simmons was challenging Lex Luger for the world title at the big match at um, Halloween Havoc 91, he had Dusty Rhodes in his corner to counter Harley Race in Luger's corner, right? They had seconds of the big two out of three falls match. So, and there was a promo stuff building up to that match too before that. So, so there was like some history there. And I also think it was like a, you know, a stamp of approval from yeah a former world champion, a legendary uh, guy like Dusty. So that was, that was nice. That was a nice, nice little touch. But they never really did anything after that. That was it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Spivey and Van Hammer being in the top five or top eight or whatever was kind of weird. And Austin's not in there. But, you know, otherwise, I thought, you know, just it was it was very well done. Maybe because Rick Rude does come out and he's like the only. Well, I guess Stan Spivey's a heel. But like yeah. only Dangerous Lions member to come out and say, you know, you know, I would. I'll never forget this segment because I, I remember like Bill Watts go, well, put your name in there. Yeah. Name, yeah. Like the way he said it just yeah. cracked me up. But the the one thing like to call back to last week's show, like Gordy and Doc were there mm-hmm. and they were saying that, you know, they, they would love a shot at Vader yeah. too. And then they didn't put their name in. So, I mean, you have to really sort of go back to, to the last week to nitpick that. I wonder one. if people were thinking it's going to be Dustin. Mm-hmm. At the time, I think I, I think that's what they're trying to go for. Maybe that that's what I would have thought. Like, oh, like they're you know this is Dustin finally you know getting this win, but you know it would have been death for him t- to win this title too. I always great for him that, here. Yes, I always thought they could have done Dustin over Vader in '93 sometime for like a short short reign like his dad had a short reign um because i always liked the story of dustin going against vader just a playoff of just the you know the the dusty roads and harley race feud right and you know dustin getting a big win in 93 not 92 so uh so the first match is dan spivey against uh i don't even know who this person was because he jumped the guy before the match started they said his name like halfway through it, and I, f- God, I forget who it was, but he was looked like a young kid with a really bad haircut and a bad <laughs> body, and and it was interesting because Spivey doesn't doesn't finish him with the traditional power bomb that he used to do because I guess Vader does the power bomb, so he's not gonna do it. He beats him with this uh, oh the dragon sleeper like a yeah, unique yeah. version of dragon sleeper where he traps the arm, which I thought was pretty cool, and he also because in Japan he did the Spivey spike, which was just a DET. And but he's um, you know he's not going to do the DT because you know now Jake Roberts is here Jake right Roberts is coming but in. The, Arn Anderson does the DT so I think yeah I think uh, maybe a new character is like okay right, well, he's not new it seems like Dan Spivey always just shows up at WCW like he goes comes back goes comes back cuts like a psych, psycho promo on the yeah. inset if you want to if you want to know when people say a wrestling promo this is like the wrestling <laughs> promo right just yelling and. There's no peaks and valleys in what he's talking about, and I don't mind a traditional wrestling promo. I think I think they get, they get a bad rap, but this one's an example of of a bad one. And then Jr. pushing Bret Hart and Ted DiBiase on his hotline. Did you find out what was going on there? Contract was coming up, right, or something? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, there's nothing in there was nothing in the Observer other than the only thing Dave said in the Observer was. Um, he said uh, he wrote something about was it Flair? Yeah, something about I think Flair going back to WCW. He's like, whatever you've heard about Flair, he's not going there right now or something. Mm. That was the only thing. Um, so the big cat and the junkyard dog, the dog and the cat on the same team 
versus Chris Sullivan and James Motes. Uh, so the story here is that JYD blinded Big Cat because he headbutted him with his glasses on, and then he felt bad and wanted to help him, uh, I guess, recover from that. So they became a tag team. And Cat wins with, uh, with just an elbow. like Big elbow, though. I mean, like, he, got, he got the speed and the... the God, he got some great height on it. Yeah, I mean, shoot. That should be to some guy, right? You would think a guy that big coming down that hard. Look good. I like this team. And I, and I remember only lasting like, I think it only lasts a few weeks. I think Dog's soon on his way out. But but Dog seems like he's actually in decent shape. You know, he doesn't look like. Yeah, he like, looks okay. And Cat was, uh, you know, he's pretty athletic. So yeah, a, a, yeah. His, a lot of that stuff did. I, I thought this tag team really could have worked. I, I thought I. You know, sadly, they didn't stick around uh, as a team. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember the angle, and I remember them teaming, but I remember also they're gone as soon as they teamed up. So, And the next match is Van Hammer, our friend Van Hammer, against Tracy Smothers. He was not going to run rough shot through Tracy Smothers, though he still wins the match. Uh, Smothers is doing the old heel move of, you know, complaining about... Uh, getting his tights grabbed and obviously hammer was not grabbing his tights. He does wound with the slingshot suplex. Uh, but you know, again, he, he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna just quickly beat uh, Tracy's mothers in this match. No, it's not like last week where he seemed like he didn't know what the hell he was doing halfway. Actually through the whole match, he was like, didn't know where he was coming or going. I think this week they're like, you know, let's put him with a veteran, some guy that can kind of guide him through this thing and get him through it. And Tracy did a good job. And then uh, we have uh, Hammer Valentine and Dick Slater against Ian Weston and the Italian Stallion. And on cue, JR talks about Italian Stallion, like being in the Guinness Book of World Records or something for Wasn't eating he, pasta. Was like I, I think he was. Thing? Yeah, yeah, it was legit. I think it was legit. And did you call him Ian Weston because of your boy on 90210? Ian Weston is supposed to be Ian. It's Ian Weston, yeah. Ian I thought Weston. maybe it was Ian, because isn't that guy's name Ian? Ian Zeering, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were trying to throw an Ian 2 one over there. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Valentine, w- Valentine wins it with a figure four, and I and I wrote here, I said, this is more of a John match than it is a, a my kind of match, because I thought it was you know, pretty laborious. Not not that it, it wasn't good, but it was it was a little long for my taste. It went a little long. It went yeah. a little long. There's some stuff I would like. Some stuff I thought they I thought it could have been a lot shorter. Personally, I did like the spot where it's so it was so so simple and so easy. Why everyone's doing all this crazy stuff nowadays? Like you know, like they're Slater and and Valentine are just a bunch of dicks, man. I think you know, they're not <laughs> they're not giving even Italian Stallion anything really. But they gave him something, which was like. You know, Slater's like, okay, whip me off. You're going to miss a drop kick. You know, so like, it looked like, oh, Italian Stallion's going to finally hit a move. So he goes for the big drop kick. Oh, here's going to be the big drop kick to make the hot tag, right? He goes for the big drop kick. Nope. Slater holds the rope. (laughs) He bumps. But then Slater does this great elbow. But then then Italian Italian Stallion moves and he, you know, Slater misses. And then he tags out to Ian Weston, um, which I just like that little spot. I thought that was a cool little cool spot and it's simple i mean it's it's funny like these simple stuff like stands out more to me than like seeing all the craziness mm-hmm. i see nowadays and then ian weston looked like a a decent athlete you know decent bumper good look i know he wrestles for a few years i don't know if he ever did anything else but um of of uh noteworthy but um but yeah he um it was, just, it was fine just a little long i would have definitely shaved off uh i don't know three minutes four minutes of it so the next segment is Jesse the Body and Jake the Snake doing an interview together. Oh man, so good. Jake says basically that he put the bait out there for Sting. He takes a shot at Hogan talking about saying your prayers and eating your vitamins. And he's basically saying he's tired of the baby faces who try and do the right thing. He's o- the only right thing is survival. Yeah, yeah. Jesse is you know, Je- Je- this is like you know, the old school Jesse from, from WWF too, because he finally has a heel that he believes in mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, one of my guys. And so he, he does, he does a lot of stuff that Jesse used to do with like Macho Man Savage back yeah. in the day. This was great. And then when he, he mentions like, well, he, he, he makes a joke about the saying your prayers and your fighting, but then he turns on to his dad, right? Oh yeah. And he spits his spits down on his dad. Oh my God. Like just, this is 
classic Jake. God, I wish he had his head on straight mm-hmm. to finish this run correctly. And, and just, it's unfortunate, unfortunately what happens with him, but, um, God, but right here, you're like, God, this is what he's, this is what you love Jake Roberts about, right? He just, oh, yeah. these great promos and. I was excited. I remember back then. I'm like, oh man, we got Jake Roberts. I was like, all right, he's in WCW. It's like a big get, right? And then yeah, there's another thing that kind of just, just, just petered out. So we get another Barbarian match. Yeah, it's Tommy Angel Jr. is already teasing that Barbarian could be a future opponent mm-hmm. for Ron Simmons. But then he mentions that he also wants to see Sting against Ron Simmons as well. Um, and Barbarian wins with the boot. The just this is what he's been doing for the last four weeks yeah it's just simple stuff Russell's one of my favorite job guys Tommy Angels Tommy Angels always comes in looks good gives good effort so yeah and they, that's what I love about Watts man easy hires for the most part there's this there's always good good decent job guys except that first guy that Spivey wrestled but Spivey wasn't giving that guy crap and so uh, Gordian Williams do an interview or Gordian Doc, I should say, do an interview with Paul E. And I wasn't exactly sure what was going on, but it sounds like maybe they're going back to Japan. Mm-hmm. So in in their stead, they have offered beautiful Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson some money to kind of get rid of the Steiners while they're gone. And that leads into the match with uh, Anderson and Eaton versus Flying Brian and Larry Z. And the fact that they did this interview kind of made this match a little bit predictable as far as the outcome was concerned. But what do you think of like beautiful Bobby and Arn Anderson just becoming like this, like, you know, submission team, this grappling team, you know, just Larry, Larry Z is like selling for years and years and years. Like yeah, the, it's, a, it's a change of a, a little bit of a change of a style for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, the idea here is that yeah, Doc and Gordy are probably going to all Japan. I mean, yeah, they're going to all Japan for a, a tour, so they're going to be off the house shows. And in their place against the Steiners will be Anderson and Eaton. But these towns, the Steiners they, beat for the the titles. Yeah, at, so they've uh, already been through. Yeah. T- you know these towns with this team, right? And they, and they're they're going to be good matches because they're all four really good. It's just this is just a little way to add some spice to it, being bounty hunters basically for Doc and Gordy. Um, um, yeah, they 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 kind of went to a, a style of the you know the Andersons where they work on a body part mm-hmm. and, and they take out Larry Zbysko, which I liked what they did here at first. I, I don't remember this. Yet. I don't remember it, but. It, it, but then I like what they did is like they they it, something happened during the damn commercial break, right? The tape machines are rolling. Well, you know, if we show if something happens, we'll show it to you, right? But they never do, right? Which drives me insane. And they finally did it here, like so. It makes you you know makes a viewer maybe next time wants to stick around during a commercial break. Maybe there'll be mm-hmm. something they'll show us. So I like that. I like that. I just couldn't understand. Maybe you got it. I didn't. I didn't get it. But why was the top rope rule, rule ascended for this match? Yeah, it was a little weird. Um, like, why? I, I, so, so what I thought was it was so predictable based off the interview that Anderson and Neaton were winning mm-hmm. that maybe they thought if they did the top rope thing that maybe that people think, oh, now, you know, now Flying Brian's going to win this match or something. That's the only thing I could think of. But I don't like the fact that Bill Watts has taken this move away and it seems like every week there's a match where, where you can do the move. Yeah, but it's usually a heel behind the rest back, though, right? Yeah, like, but here's the thing: they're already starting to get rid of it because yeah. Jim Ross is promoting that you know he's not a fan of it. And yeah, that was rule. weird. That was weird. He's like, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of it uh, as it's written currently. I was like, yeah, what, yeah, as yeah, it's yeah, written, yeah, the rule. It's yeah. written. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, he's he's the, our voice, right? He's, Absolutely. So he has to be what, and I think rightly, rightfully so, like. They got a lot of flack for this 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 stupid idea that Bill was, and then and Bill's like, "Well, shoot, we can't. I can't just take it and go backwards, right? He, he's not going to do that, but he'll he'll build to it, you know, which is nice. And 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 we'll see. And then they're they're, they're going to do like there might be a voting coming up, and we'll see what happens. To that so this top rope rule what lasted what we think what six weeks, four weeks maybe. And it's, uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't remember. Uh, really? Well, Watts showed up. Let's say about what May or June was his official. So yeah, this is about it was about three months, three months of twelve weeks. So 
playing. So that so that was the main event, and they then showed the end of uh, Simmons and Vader again to go off the air. So in the Observer, uh, in order for Jake to get his release from WWF that would allow him to work for WCW at this point, he also had to give up his rights to all future, future merchandising income since they were going to continue selling stuff with his uh, with his name on it. So he just was like, all right, like you guys can have it so I can go immediately work for WCW right now. I don't know if that was necessarily the, the smartest thing to do. Because yeah, um, he ended up messing up and then <laughs> out of a contract as soon as he got there. And then the only, the, the one other thing was that uh, he was listed on the booking sheets because obviously they didn't want to I don't, I don't know why they didn't want to give it away, but this was a secret. Uh, and, you know, he came in and I don't think uh, there was maybe a couple people who knew what was going on. But on the booking sheets, he was listed as Bad Bob. <laughs> you know, um, Eddie Gilbert was supposed to come in, too. Around. At this point? I don't know when he was supposed to come in, but Wasp was bringing him into WCW and I think he did like an interview with the torch or did something. And he kind of like mentions that he's going to WCW and Bill Watts got so pissed and I brought him in, <laughs> mm. which would have sucked because I was a huge Eddie Gilbert fan. I love that guy, you know? So, you know, he would have been, uh, he would have been a great addition as a heel to WCW 92. All right. Well, that's it for the WCW. Well, Vader had a promo. I mean, simple. I mean, he, right. Vader. At the yeah. Close yeah. It. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't want any, uh, he didn't want any excuses, even though mm-hmm. Harley was given the excuses. Vader just wanted a, wanted a rematch. He wanted a shot again. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that, that was that was it was effective. It was, it was nice, effective. He, way to he end was it. speaking in in the third person. He always a Vader is. Yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. he's an interesting character, but so intense. And, I and then that. he he used the brother, brother. Oh yeah, he was a big brother guy. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Good brothers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's go to a break, but that's your WCW Saturday Night Review for August 8th, 1992. All right, let's talk about our friends at Deal Dash. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use your offer code FIGHTGAME or DealDash.fm front slash FIGHTGAME. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M front slash F-I-G-H-T-G-A-M-E. All right. I did manage to get Larry on. This week, uh, in the previous segment, I told John I wanted to get him on, and it happened much sooner than uh, than I anticipated. But Larry Caution, what's up, man? What's going on, Gert? How you feeling tonight? Pretty good. So uh, when John and I started to cover the WCW Saturday Night uh, era uh, of uh, late 1992, so the last six months, one of the reasons uh, was because I was kind of excited to talk about this Watts era and the Ron Simmons title change. And I think I was trying to remember like my memories of that time. Now, I am like probably 16 at that time. And I would say that 1991 is probably, 1991, early 92 is where my wrestling fandom is probably at its peak, even comparing that to the Attitude Era. I was just so dug in with both companies at that time. And so, you know, in in uh, mid-92 to through late-92, I would say it wanes a little bit, but mostly just because, you know, I'm just getting older and I have more stuff to do. I'm, I'm about to be a junior in high school. And so that that's part of it. But I couldn't think of like, well, what other thing? And then I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, 
Hogan is gone, and he was my guy from being a, a youngster. Mm-hmm. And then Flair going to WWE was such a big thing. Like I was so dug in on that story. And now at this point in WWF, he's he's not really being used all that much. So that is also probably part of it. Um, and there's a changing of the guard in WCW. Bill Watts comes in. So we, John and I, ha- have just been talking about the uh, the Ron Simmons winning the title. And that whole episode, like the first 25 minutes of that show, I would put that on par with any segment on wrestling TV today because it's so good. Now, you were at that show live, and John wanted me to ask you this question first, which is when the title change happened and that show was over and you just got to sort of live out this title change uh, and a wrestler who who's a fan favorite sort of a little bit of an underdog storyline like what was the building like how did the you know how, how did you all feel like was it pretty raucous and people were high-fiving like what was the atmosphere like well well first of all i, I gotta give a little context to that time uh growing up in baltimore i was privileged to go to so many wrestling matches like it was every month we got both promotions, WWF, WCW. They always came here. So this was like a territory that was, it was Ric Flair country. You know, you had your guys, your people who always were strictly NWA, always were going for the horsemen because, again, at this around this time we're talking about, I'm 10, 11 years old. So I, I'm not old enough to really like travel on my own. My uncles were huge wrestling fans and my father. So we always went to like every show. But when Flair left, this is this is very important. The building wasn't as full as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So it was like not knowing exactly what was happening behind the scenes as much. And my my uncle was a, a um, observer. He would get the observer. Somebody who would Xerox him a copy, a buddy of his at work. And he would like tell you behind the scenes. <laughs> but it wasn't like something that you knew exactly. Like he would always pick, pick with me like, oh yeah, I already know what's going to happen. And you, you, you falling for this and all this. Like teasing <laughs> me, you know. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore. You know, when you're that age and you get into something and you're following that closely, um, you, you really get into it. And when Ric Flair went to the WWF, to me, it was it wasn't that big of a deal because both promotions came here so often. But once you saw that, you know, WCW was left with Slim Pickens on the top, but then we got Vader. You know, and, and like Vader was just like a different type of beast, you know. So let me just fast forward to that night. Nobody knew that Ron Simmons was even getting a title shot. You know what I mean? It wasn't like something that was built up. And back in those days, they did like double taping. So we were there the whole time. Early in the night, I think he's, he fought like a scrub or something like that. So it wasn't like he, he wasn't on the show already. Mm-hmm. So, so then later on, when they did this whole drawing thing to determine no one contender, it's not like they promoted ahead of time, let you know you're going to get a title shot. Back in those days, we got big matches like that all the time. So nobody expected a title change, though. So when you say what was the atmosphere, just knowing that a black man, and, and this is coming, I'm a black man for all those who are listening, knowing me, don't know me personally. I'm a black man. I'm, a, I'm 10 years old, 11 years old. I'm watching my uncles. I'm watching my father. And the pride they had, the joy they had, just that Ron Simmons was, was possibly going to even get a title shot, it just was unheard of. You know what I mean? So... In the arena that night, Baltimore, I mean, if you don't know the demographics of our city, we're a black town. I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So when he won that match, man, it's hard to explain it. It's hard to put it in words. Again, this is a flag. This is flag country. You know what I mean? So to see Ron Simmons, somebody who a, a, a year before wasn't even in contention to now be the world champion, it, it was crazy. <laughs> so... Yeah, no. I so let me um go back to what you were talking about with the with the draw. Now you're you're only 10 or 11, so you're not super savvy to, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the tricks and the trades of pro wrestling. But when Sting gets attacked mm-hmm. and he's out of the match to 
people who are, are you know people who are probably close to to, to wrestling it, it probably hits them as like oh there's an angle coming like there's something there's a reason why sting got hurt and there's a reason you know that he's pulled out of the match something is going to happen here did you sense anything when when sting was out there and that cuz he was supposed to face vader that night for the title exactly so uh, honestly i'm be completely 120% honest with you most people thought that Flair was coming back. Oh like, wow, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Like, like honestly, and, and if you, I mean, it wasn't you know contract wise and all that stuff. Of course, didn't sound feasible. But you gotta understand, back then, everybody wasn't as glued in as we are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You had your people who knew. Like I say, my own no, uncle, no internet back then. Exactly. You, so you had your people who knew, who who read up on like the Observer because that was like the big insider uh, mag. But then people had like you go to the grocery store and get your magazines where they get your little dirt, you know, here and there. But back then, when you you heard that drawing, everybody was just looking at the aisle like, "Is flag gonna come out?" You know what I mean? And honestly, back then. You only had a couple top guys, Sting, Lex Luger, and then possibly here, there, you might get a run with like Sid might, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So who, who who would actually put Ron Simmons in that category? You know what I mean? So that's why it just came out completely out of left field. Sure, he was getting a little push, but it wasn't like a mega push. You, you can't really think of who, who did Ron Simmons beat leading up to that match. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting rewatching that TV because Watts comes in and they they're doing sit downs with Simmons, uh, and you know he's sit, sitting down with Tony Schiavone. He just got his number retired at Florida State, so they're talking about that. And you don't sense that he's ready for a world title run, but you sense that he's he's definitely going to be repackaged a little bit or definitely. he's going to be pushed a little bit harder than than he was but like you said you know sting is at the top and so as as far as as long as sting is at the top you know the, there's not really much room for other baby faces and that's why when sting gets hurt in that match where he comes and saves Nikita Koloff and he gets sabotaged by Jake the Snake Roberts that is a way to take sting out of the top program he he's now in a grudge match with uh, Jake the Snake and it makes room for Ron to get that match but still in the way that they did it there you know back then we were we were still you know pay-per-view was was kind of the big deal and Watts is really trying to make the house shows a lot more important um, at that point. Uh, but, you know, they've just done a few pay-per-views. You have Halloween Havoc coming up. So it's not like the crowning was going to happen at Halloween Havoc. Instead, the crowning happens in Baltimore with you watching. So I thought that was a really interesting way to handle that situation. Exactly. And, and I think that's kind of, in essence, what's kind of, people don't get that feeling no more from wrestling. You know what I mean? Back then, it was a house show business, you know, where, again, they came here all the time. So it wasn't like, like, like rare for us to get like a big match or something like that. It just wasn't televised. But then during this era, during the Watts era, they started filming TV here. We didn't always get TV. We we normally got regularly just house shows. And then we always got like a Great American Bash or something like that. But at this time, I guess WCW, they was moving out of center stage or moving out of just doing strictly tapings in one place. But when they did the double taping, how would I expect, you know, mm-hmm. going to the arena that night in August that we're going to get a title chain? Nobody saw it coming, which was the magic. What, what, uh, when you say double taping, mm-hmm. so you're talking about this is a house show as well as squash matches that are yep. taped before. Exactly. I, uh, back then they would like, you know how they changed the rings, the um, robes around the ring, the uh, aprons and stuff like that. So you knew and the lights would be different. When the lights were down, it was just, you know, for the house. Then the lights would come up. They get brighter. They would put the um, Saturday night on aprons around the ring. They would do different things to make you know that okay, this is for TV. And even the announcers would kind of like try to get us to pump it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And they would do that crowd shots. They did all that back then. But again, coming to the arena every month, you you just you know you nobody expected a title change. Nobody. That's why I think and when people say why were y'all so excited, I'm like, come <laughs> on, think about it. <laughs> You there all the time. Like I hadn't seen a title change 
probably in my lifetime, be honest with you. Like, just for a regular event like that, that wasn't like a big pay-per-view or a big-time event. The last probably title change in Baltimore was probably when um, Ivan Koloff beat Bruno. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So, and that was before my time. So, yeah, for, for me, a black guy from Baltimore, go to the arena, see Ron Simmons, big, strong black guy, beat Big Van Vader for the world title. It, it was one of the greatest moments I've had in my life. So when you, when you think back to wrestling moments that you've witnessed live, because you've been to a lot of live shows, what, where does that rank as far as like in the memory bank, as far as the top thing that you've ever seen? Um, as a child, that was number one, for sure. No doubt about it. Um, as I got older, I think uh, Great American Bash... Um, I, I know the name we're not supposed to use. Um, Kevin Sullivan in, in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably one of the most surreal moments because they did that same match at a house show I was at in Baltimore, like a couple months prior to it. Then they did the exact same match at the Great American Bash and in, went into the bathroom and everything. So that was like surreal. Um, it's funny that you say that because the same person who shall not be named mm-hmm. uh, faced Kurt Angle at a San Jose house show. Uh-huh. And then and it was the exact same match that they would do at the Royal Rumble, like, I don't know, a couple a couple weeks later or whatever. Exactly. And then the house show match, to me, was better than the one they did at the Great American Bash that everybody raved about. So, yeah, that, that, that was, like, spectacular. Um, hmm. I've been to some manias that were great, but no, those house shows, man, or those intimate moments where everybody was. I mean, I'm telling you, it wasn't that many people in in the arena that night when Ron Simmons won the title. And it was so loud. You would think the place had 15 to 20,000 people in there. (laughs) But I'm telling you, man, maybe about 4,000 folks strong, though, you know, and that was the time we were in. Flair wasn't there. The Horseman was gone. The Dangerous Alliance was great. We had Paulie, you know, Steve Austin, Rick Rude. I mean, they had a they had a stable of guys. WCW did, um, but it wasn't strong on the babyface side. You had Ricky Steamboat, Dust, um, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Ron Simmons. So when they went to do the drawing, the last name I honestly I never thought Ron Simmons was winning that drawing. But yeah, that that ranked up there as one of the best moments ever. Me watching wrestling live. So you said something that uh, really uh, was pretty resounding in that. And, and it reminded me of a conversation that I had with uh, Andreas Hale on Wrestling Observer Radio. Because I remember watching uh, WrestleMania, Kofi, Bryan and, Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And I thought, wow, this is a really good match. But I also thought, you know what? Like, they're not going to push Kofi uh, like a champion, like they're going to treat him as like sort of this upper mid card guy, and and he's going to keep the title by the skin of his teeth, and he's not going to be pushed strong. So I was frustrated at the same time. But what I didn't realize, and this is what I told Andreas, is how important that win, Kofi Kingston winning the title was to his fan base, to African Americans, and how special of a moment that was. Because I'm just sort of thinking like. You know, WWE will never book him like a proper champion. He's going to be booked like Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even though, you know, that was probably closer to the truth than not, that moment is what so many people remember. And it was so powerful for folks that who really cares what happened for the next several months? Like that moment was that important to some people. I think this this is and I want to take my time and explain this a little bit. I, I think sometimes when I speak on uh, race and people take it the wrong way, but this is how I know it's a difference between doing what's best for business, you know, what's going to sell the most tickets, what do people think going to draw the best ratings, and doing things to try to progress things forward. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes they don't always line up, but I think you can't you can't ignore one because you only care about the dollar. Um when I was growing up, like you say, why did this Ron Simmons title win play such a significant role in my fandom? I felt like it gave us, you, it might not have meant nothing to nobody else, you know, but it gave a, a portion of the crowd who came to the arena every month. When I tell you, like back then, we were there, WWF came here and WCW every month. So it wasn't like they came once a year or, you know what I mean? So we supported that. And, 
to feel like like I always hear the stories of how JYD was down south, you know, in mid south. So we didn't have anybody who like kind of were our symbol or our uh, you know hero to turn to. Like I can be like that. And and when we were depicted, we were always like a villain or a black guy who talk a lot of trash who always want to, you know, cuss or be the bad guy, the tough guy, always talk about the women or the money, like the rappers on TV. Like when MVP came out, I mean, MVP was cool, but he kind of like uh, did the same type of stereotypical, you know, uh, like basketball, football player. Yeah, he was, he was like ter- their version of Terrell Owens or something. Exactly. And how do people think of Terrell Owens? Like, oh, he's cocky, think he know everything. So that... It, it, it tr- drums up type of tropes that kind of put us in a light light. Not everybody's like that. You know what I mean? Even The Rock, one of the greatest of all time. Remember, he won the title turn when he turned heel. When they came out there trying to be a white meat baby face, you know, out there, nobody liked him. They mm-hmm. said, die, Rocky, die. He had to turn heel with the nation, which I loved it because it was like, yeah, we he gonna show who he is. But when I really sat back as I grew, I grew up and I got older and I thought about like, why can't we be accepted just as a straight up good guy? Mm-hmm. You know, sure, you're good enough to reach a certain level. Like Ron Simmons was good enough to reach a certain level, but he never cracked that next level. Mm-hmm. And then people remember him more for when he turned into Farouk. Or saying that the D word, damn, I, I don't know if I can say it on this platform. Yes, you, you know, um, when he was with, with AOP, <laughs> when he became with AOP, you know what I mean? So a lot of people forget that he was the All-American from Florida State, you know, trying to, you know what I mean? So it just, so when Kofi came along, always been a good guy his whole career, always tried to do the things the right way. He presented us in a different light, taking nothing away from anybody else who came, Mark Henry, The Rock, all of them were great in their own, and of course, The Rock is a superstar. But again, I I just I didn't want to minimize the Kofi run because it showed that we can be viewed in a different light. That's why I say about Big E. A lot of people don't want him to. They want him to turn heel. They want him to show more of a cocky. Like I'm like, look, we don't have to only fit into one box. Mm-hmm. We can be more than one thing. So I, I think that's why it was so important, and it touched us all in a different way. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not going to speak for all black people. I'm talking about it's a certain segment of us who have seen certain replications of the same type of character, which that happens across all races. I'm not saying, like, the, oh, that only happens to black people, but I can only speak for what we've seen. Like, you know, I'm a big Sasha Banks fan. You know that, Garrett. Oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people, when Sasha was a baby face, oh, she needs to turn heel. Oh, she's she's not a real baby face. She's doing uh, heelish things as a baby face. But the fans were loving her. Like, the fans loved, they turned her into a baby face because they loved, they respected how good she was. Mm-hmm. But the whole run, everybody, like, oh, she needs to be a heel. She needs to be a heel. I'm like, is that the only way we can be featured? Is that the only way we can be shown as, as a character as to be a cocky, arrogant you know what I mean? Like it, it, it gives no, it doesn't give enough role models to the young black kids growing up to be like, you don't have to be one way. You can be a diverse people that we are. So something uh, a, a death happened today that that I have seen a lot of people show their respects and their proper respects for, but was this one of these stereotype characters? Uh, you didn't necessarily bring this this guy up, but uh, James Harris, who played Kamala, mm-hmm. passed away today. And I'm seeing a lot of like, oh, one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. Um, you know, this guy, I, I loved his gimmick. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure there, there were, it, it worked, right? It, it, in its time, it worked. But looking back on it with 2020 eyes, I, I think people uh, would probably see a lot of problems with that gimmick. What, what was your thoughts on when you heard about uh, James Harris today? I mean, as I posted in our Facebook group, I said, you know, all respect to him, you know, rest in peace. As a person, I'm, you never judge like an actor on who the role they play on right. TV. You know what I mean? So, of course, someone passes away. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job in the role he was cast in. But my issue has always been when we, uh, back, especially growing up, you know, back in those times, I thought that that particular character wasn't necessarily good because we didn't have too many characters 
showing opposite. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it has to be more than one. It ha- it can't be a bad news brown, a Kamala. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a Coco Beware. Uh, yeah, I mean, get it, whatever. You know, he was a gimmick. He was, but he was. They were a joke. You know. Um, but then you had your your uh, Rocky Johnsons and your uh, you know. But Saba Simba, we all remember that too. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, so yeah. I'm just saying, like Kamala, just focusing on him. Um, it was a sticking point for my family. And again, I'm coming from a, uh, I was raised by a very strong black men. You know what I mean? And they took it personal. They were like, nah, that that's terrible. You know what I mean? And that generation, my father sat me down and said, don't let nobody minimize us. Don't let nobody, you know, try to put us in a box. And some people took joy in watching him play that character. And they say, that's how we act. You know what I mean? It was like, we're savages. And, and of course, the, the Samoan they went through that too, you know. So again, I don't want to uh, diminish the, the history of his career, or you know, he did a great job in the role. He drew good money, uh, so no, no, no disrespect to him. But that particular character, and some of those characters, if you look throughout history, eh, not something I want to put shine a huge light on uh, in this 2020 day that we're in. So. Just to wrap this thing up, you mentioned this guy's name uh, a few minutes ago, and he is someone who I've been just hoping that they see something in uh, further than what he is in, which is a really good character uh, in, in a group new, with New Day. But Big E, I've I've been really hoping that they give him a run, you know, pretty much since uh, since he arrived. I just have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And it looks like they may be doing something with him. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that they're going to follow through with uh, this promise of a push here? I mean, I love Biggie. Um, always have. I think he has a lot of potential. He was great in FCW, NXT, those early days. Uh, when he came up, I think they didn't know what to do with him. Um, and it kind of, he got lost. But now, again, I think the New Day... They took that and made it their own. I love the podcast. I love, of course, everybody hates the pancakes, <laughs> hates, hates all that. I mean, I'm not, you know what I mean? But again, that's what they decided to do, whatever. Um, as a single, he has to get out of that um, just being a tag guy label. You know, and we all know the problem with WWF, WWE, excuse me, is Vince McMahon. And if Vince sees you one way or he sees you as just this one way, he, he, it's hard for him to uh, uh, fully go all the way with him. I think Big E got the, he has the uh, vocal ability to do good promos. Um, I think he can wrestle. I think he got good power. But again, for his body frame, is he the height that Vince likes to push? I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. What you think, Garrett? Okay, so um, I think the podcast has given even more shine to him as someone who can talk. I think he, you know, all, all three of those guys, I, I would say Xavier and Big Woods, uh, Big E are probably a little bit better. They're, 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 they're yeah, they're, they're just have a little bit more fun with it. Kofi's, you know, Kofi's family man and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and he doesn't, he doesn't have wild ranging opinions, but those guys are a little bit more natural at it. And I think that Big E is, has really shined through on this show and when I listen to that podcast, the thing that I keep going back to is like, why isn't this guy on t- on my television more? So I I want I want them to do something with him. And you know, I've pulled away from Raw and SmackDown mm-hmm. for the most part because I'm just unhappy with the shows. But one thing that could get me back watching is if Big Big E gets a big push because I I just been waiting for it. And, and I'm I'm very I, I'm very cautious on my words. I don't like when. Because it's been people out there who say, because of everything that's happening in the world right now, they need to do this. I hate that. You know, I don't want anybody to be pushed because of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. I don't want anybody to be used as some type of poster child or a token. That, oh, we need to push this person. I think, and I, I think they did a lot of these changes, really. If you really look at what's been happening over the past year, ever since... Uh, they had that issue with the uh, remember the T-shirt that was coming out for uh, the guy who's no longer with the company used to be with New Japan. Oh, my goodness. His name is escaping me. And they said they put a, a T-shirt out and Triple H had approved it. 
or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, I can't think of his name. But anyway, ever since that happened, I think they've made a conservative effort. It was the T-shirt with, like, the smile, the big smile. The smiley face. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, and he was getting a push in NXT. I think he had won that tournament they had. Oh, man, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry. I, it's just escaping me. Ever since that happened, I think they actually took a look at how they were pushing the uh, diversity then. So they actually were out in front of this whole, you know, new new issue that just popped up back in June. So I think they've done a good job uh, with pushing Keith Lee, um, given, featuring uh, different African-American people that they have on the roster. They have a lot of them, you know what I mean? And again, I'm close to some people on the roster, so I, I do know them. So I kind of like support the show because of that. Mm-hmm. And I get it. it. It's like, okay. Do we want to just push people just so we have this box checked? No. But if the pure person is good, I think Keith Lee can be a superstar. You know what I mean? Does that compete with the spot that Big E should be covering? Me? Why can't both of them be pushed? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why do we only have to have one? Why do we only have to have two? If the person is good enough, push them. But do they have a similar body type? Do they do a similar thing? I think if we can have a Seth Rollins... Uh, and a uh, Drew McIntyre and a AJ Styles and a you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it should not be an endless cycle. I mean uh, like a, a quarter that just be checked yep. with Big E. I think he is he has it all. I just think he need to be put out there and allowed to flourish on his own and see if if he swims he swims. And look, I, I don't even think that they need to get rid of. I don't think he needs to go outside of New Day like you see uh, in in you know in New Japan they have. You know, they they everyone's on on a faction on a, in a faction. Uh, same with stardom. Like every person in the, <laughs> in, in the roster has to be part of a, a faction. I believe I believe that's how it works. So you can do it creatively. He doesn't have to wash his hands with New Day. He can still be a part of it, and he could represent them as the heavyweight champion of the world if that is what happens. But I, I I've been I've been dying to see it, so I hope it happens too. Um. So before we get out of here. Uh, are you still doing video blogs and stuff? What's going on with your with your uh, video chat stuff? Well, you know, COVID uh, took a uh, took a tumble and everything. Um, you would think I would be less busy doing COVID, but actually, <laughs> I work in the hotel business, which is part of the reason why I became such a even. I mean, I was a huge fan anyway, but it kept me in the fandom longer because whenever the wrestlers would come to town, they stay at my hotel. Oh yeah. So so you know. We we actually had to shut down because of COVID, and I'm there every day. So, you know, limited staff. So it kind of puts a damper on what I can do and when I can do it. But, you know, I'm a huge Big Brother fan. So oh, yeah. Big Brother's back, so I've been doing some videos on Big Brother, so you can stay tuned for that. I have my website, CautionCreations.com. That's C-A-U-S-I-O-N-S, Creations.com. Or you can catch me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, at Bro Caution, that's my name on Twitter. I've been tweeting a lot about Big Brother. I know Garrett. I'll be doing some spoilers, so <laughs> just stay away. <laughs> yeah, you you are a big, you, you're a Big Brother fan at a at a really like insider level, and I want to I want to do that as well. But I just like the TV show so much that I don't like getting spoiled because I think the production on that TV show is so good. Um, so and sometimes you know they're they're not showing certain things because they don't mm-hmm. want to show them, and so that, it's it's nice to know, uh, you know, if I need to know like what really happened, of course I'm going to go hit hit you up. But yeah, like uh, Big Brother, you know, we're we're kind of doing that. We even have our own little thread in the Facebook group. So if you are a Big Brother fan as well and a wrestling fan, uh, check out the Fight Game Media Twitter handle, uh, and there's the link to the group is is on the uh, the first tweet there, the the saved tweet. So uh, Larry, thanks for hanging out here. Um, I really appreciate appreciate it. I, 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 once I heard that you went to that show, I was like, oh, I got to talk to him. We've been meaning to do this, and this was the perfect opportunity. Definitely. And I, I, I want, it's a book out there if anybody wants to learn about the Baltimore wrestling scene, the history of wrestling in Baltimore. It's called Battleground. Um, check it out. I mean, it's a really good book. I mean, it's so many memories I have growing up, going to wrestling at the Baltimore Civic Center, and they cover it all there. It's called Battleground. 
And this was like a big time spot because the NWA would fight for it. And WWE, it was like not all the way in the Northeast, but not all the way in the South. So it was like a, a, a central place where they both could come. And they ran here all the time. Oh, man. It was great growing up in Baltimore watching wrestling. All right, man. We're, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll get you on and, and talk about something else. But uh, for Larry and John, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. All right. And finally want to talk about our friends at bet online sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events as we've been talking about major league baseball is back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online check out all the odds futures and props to bet on all available 24 7 and with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts.